My name is Gato, and if you've time to burn, we're talking Chrono Trigger here on One More Turn. Welcome to One More Turn, a classic gaming podcast that's always free to play. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. So Jim, this week we're talking Chrono Trigger. And we've brought in special guest expert friend. I have, wait, first off, guest expert? I prefer guest guest spurt friend. But we'll, we'll, we can decide on that term You later. almost said it, like the way you were saying it, it's like a, a, a gexpert. As in it is a it is an expert on, on, on geckos and gecko related games such as gex. Okay, that's fair. Fair enough. But we've brought in, so so I'm going to go with your turn. We've brought in guest expert this week, Corey Nolan. She is the yeah. Phoenix chapter head. Are you the head of the International Game Developers Association? Or are you co-chair, just a part yeah. Of, co-chair of the Phoenix chapter of International Game Developers Association. And you can also find her on great podcasts like Indie Game House podcast at IndieGameHouse.com. And this week in Zooblacks at Zooblacks.com. Corey Nolan, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining Yay. us. Hi, guys. Hi, how you been? How's Arizona? I heard there's a horrible dust cloud that's slowly, slowly destroying all of humanity in the Phoenix area. There was. It's it's bringing all kinds of valley fevers and some weird uh, alligator storms, weather anomalies, <laughs> tornadoes raining sorted. down animals. <laughs> I just I just picture the blob, but like black cloud form instead of you know pink ooze. Just so sort actually, of slowly w- washing away the city. The storms the storms are kind of like weirdly tragically beautiful um like you can see them coming from from where you are the sky just kind of gets dark and usually kind of reddish all over and if you walk out in the middle of it it really just looks like you're in like an apocalypse film or something like that like the ambiance is just so like somber it's 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 weird (laughs) but we always like just going out and admiring the sky and we're the only people on our block that do this but everyone in my house goes out it's and like does a, this and just like wow look at those like clouds a, it's like, like a cool goth sky. storm it's like, it's you know. <laughs> it's really kind of like kind of just awesome <laughs> yeah. well well thank you for coming on this week uh so when we were talking about it when you suggested uh, chrono trigger uh that got jim thinking about pluses new game pluses Plus That's right, because this is if i remember this is one of the, this was the first time i had experienced a single player game that had the concept of New Game Plus, and that is kind of just starting over with some element of your previous playthrough carried over. Not It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, like levels and equipment and the like. Sometimes it's just like progress made on some, some iterative component of the game, whether it's uh, items that you've unlocked or crafted or abilities that, that you've acquired over time. I wanted to ask you guys, how you guys feel about the concept of New Game Plus now versus when uh, versus like the era of the Super Nintendo slash PlayStation role playing games when this when this was really prevalent. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure this is the first game I ever played that had New Game Plus in it, and I remember being kind of like actually really confused by it. Like when I first started playing, I'm like, "What is this? Like, why why can I still play the game?" But I think it's interesting in the context where like it opens up new content. Like, I mean, in this one, you know, you can go face the boss right away after starting a new game plus, and that 
it's okay to spoil this, right? That gets you a totally oh, different. Oh, absolutely. It's, okay. it's a twenty-year-old game. We spoil. <laughs> go, go nuts. Yeah. If anyone hasn't played it, stop this podcast. Go play it. Come back to us. Um, but yeah, you you can face Lavos right right off the bat and get a totally different ending. So it's un- it's unlocking new content in this case, which I think is an interesting use of it. I am always kind of conflicted with the game plus. Uh, because I think part of the fun of a game is usually uh, uh, the challenge of it. For Chrono Trigger, I was I was okay with it because yeah, it helps you just kind of go through all the endings and kind of see more of the story. You don't have to worry so much about the battles and the fighting. You can kind of explore all the uh, different options that happens at the end, uh, or or all the different ways the game or the story progresses. But yeah, I always feel like uh, if they don't have that, if they don't have some like hook like that, if there's just new game plus, if it's just like hey, replay the entire game. Uh, except now you're super powered up and you can just watch the story and just sort of watch it all again. I feel like it's kind of a letdown. It's just like, what? You know, there's no challenge here. I'm just kind of sitting, sitting and enjoying, you know, I'm just, I'm just basically going through the motions and, and progressing the story. And that's kind of about it. Like Xenoblade Chronicles had that. And I was just like, eh, I'm at level 99. What do I need to do all this again for? This is it's like way too easy. Yeah. And you know, for the purposes of Chrono Trigger, like Chrono Trigger, I think, because they were a pioneer, I guess, in, in New Game Plus. I don't know if they were specifically the first to do it, but at least they were the, the it was the first I had experienced it before in a single-player uh, role-playing game. And there were a couple of interesting components in how it, it merged in with the gameplay itself. So, like, for one thing, we can, you know, when, when we start talking the more uh, mechanical components of the game, when you can more or less skip almost all of the fighting in the game. So when they add in additional like, story components, like... I think New Game Plus like added in tr- almost tripled the number of endings that you can get in the game, which if you're which if you're invested in the story and it is a very it is a it's a very proud story driven game mm. that it it allows you access to that content without being bogged down with the actual gameplay mechanics involved. And I really I really like how they they went about doing that. Also, I personally wanted to unlock things like the the super triple attack the name's just dropping to me right now but triple text yeah it's like triple text like i want to see all like the big flashy attacks i want to see even just beat me up gato get sucked into a void by some magus base tech (laughs) poor gato man but yeah actually one time i was playing it and i did that like there was a there was triple tech i think that involves magus frog and someone else who i don't remember um that does suck enemies into a void and then he never respawned so like it, we're just we're just out of luck in terms of silver points. Oh wow! With new game plus now, as a concept, I've got a little burnt out on it simply because I just don't generally spend that much time with a game anymore. And if I want to see multiple endings on a game, I'm just going to YouTube now. <laughs> it's like there's a lot. Yeah. There's so many mm-hmm. amazing games coming out, and so many wonderful independent designers. So many uh, like alt games coming out in the community that I, I'm excited about. So many of them that like I I'm not gonna go back through uh, like Persona Four again. That's a, just that's to a really see what some point. of the other social links are. Um, when I was playing Chrono Trigger, you know, like back in the day, I was kind of inhabited by a completionist attitude where it's like, oh, you have to 100% everything, and it's like. Nowadays, I mean, I think the stark contrast is I played Chrono Cross for the first time maybe six months ago and beat the game with the canon ending. And then, yeah, like you said, just went to YouTube and watched all the rest because there's no way in hell I'm going back through that game. It's like 40 hours. That's it's like five yeah. indie games. 
yeah 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 that's like yeah it's like the big dilemma now i'm sure when you're you know 20 years ago you maybe had one one console you know maybe two uh maybe a pc you know or you had one or the other most of the time and then yeah there was like maybe one release of a game that you were looking forward to every three months and that gave you plenty of time to fully enjoy it and play it now yeah you got you know we're spoiled we got too much you know, you got, you know, you got stuff like Corey's, which is like, you can just kind of pick up and play real quick on a browser. You've got steam, you've got a million, a million options. And all of those playing options have quite frankly, a, a lot of great games on them. So it's, it's now, now new game plus is just, you know, YouTube plus, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. like, I, like I tried it, you know, what's made me turn into the, this new era is, is, uh, I'm more of a completionist on the first go. Like I don't, I don't go back and try to complete on a plus anymore. Like I try to just get a hundred percent through my first run through and then, yeah, go, go look at all the other alternatives, uh, uh later on. I was wondering personally if more games, this is just an, like something that I kind of had just have looming uh, as I see more and more, uh, not more and more. Cause there aren't many, there aren't many lengthy role-playing games, uh, at least triple a titles that come out. I mean, there's, your your Dragon Ages and I think the Witcher and occasional and maybe uh, the Last Guardian that will never come out um, and with with those with those titles I always wonder if they will go back to the Mass Effect school of I remember Mass Effect three having several modes that you can play the game in right you had I believe there was like regular mode there was battle mode and then there was story mode and I think that having that that story mode for the purposes of having new game plus, which kind of works back into how, again, how Chrono Trigger was doing it, that you get rid, get rid of all the, the components that, that are going to just be repeated in an additional playthrough that won't really add anything to the player's enjoyment of going of, or at least something that the players will value with, with their time. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, they're spending additional time with your game, with your game. And you are like, you're basically a lot putting that hook in there for a player to spend more time with your game. And and at that point, like, why waste anyone's time? And so actually I did that with, with, with purposes of Mass Effect after getting an ending that was possibly the worst thing I had ever seen. Like, not... Remember there was the big... Like, there was the big hoo-hurrah about Mass Effect endings. Yeah, that this is completely hoo-hurrah? independent of that. Wait, hold on. Hoo-hurrah? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, What's a hoo-hurrah? The, the, the rabble-rousing. There was yeah, there was a lot of pushback. Against... There's a lot of really funny words for people causing a scuffle. I thought you meant brew. I thought that's brouhaha. <laughs> They're different things. Okay. Anyway, yeah. I, I guess personally, I'm curious, you Corey. Yeah. Do you have? I mean, if something presented you with an option for New Game Plus, what would it need to like have you play again? To be honest, now I'm not really sure. There's a lot that would entice me to do it. I don't. I don't really have that same completionist drive that I had as a kid. Uh, if there's any new content to be unlocked, I'll probably just look it up. Life seems a lot shorter now, relatively speaking. And like, <laughs> well, now that you have the black cloud of death in Arizona, <laughs> you have no I gotta, much time I gotta get through all. a game once, and then I got other games to get to. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting though. I always I've I've started having a lot more respect for games that respect my time. The I guess the biggest example has just been grinding. I have no patience for for grinding anymore, and that's I actually I think. Uh, decent point in Chrono Trigger's favor is that the battles aren't are not random what is it word? random encounters Um, yeah they're not random you have to explicitly walk into an enemy in order to trigger a battle and that reduces grind 
by quite a bit. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I, I almost like if they're gonna have a new game plus, I almost want it to just be a different game at the end. Like <laughs> like just start over with a completely new mechanic. Cause yeah, it's just like I don't want. Yeah, like you just spent 50, 60 hours. I don't want to do this all over and grind through all this stuff again. You know. I guess philosophically and, speaking, I like the fact that a new game plus means I don't, I don't know. It's like the same feeling as when you end a book and you're just like profoundly sad that like that that story is over and there's no way to like go on beyond that and new game plus is kind of like the developer holding your hand and be like no no you can keep going we we promise you there will be some more content for you like it's it's like a little bit of a a feedback but uh now it's it's just like the game is over i have a new game to move on to and i think it kind of also goes against even just the satisfaction of the experience that that you had initially I think we may have mentioned this. In, I may have mentioned this in an earlier episode, but I per- when I personally am going through a game, I want my deci- I want the decisions that I make to have that Im- to have an impact, and I want to have to basically deal and cope with what it is that I have done. Like there were, I remember a couple of games on Newgrounds, like a, a long time ago. Um, like you think like you have one chance. There was a couple other ones that I was reading about recently that have a similar kind of mechanic where if you mess up. That's that's it. You can't reload the game. If you if you quit the game and bring it back up, it just it brings you to your game over screen. If you die in the game, you die in real life. <laughs> A black cloud slowly <laughs> <laughs> descends upon the game. The black cloud howls. No, sorry. Yes. Um... <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. We got. Um, you beat me too much. You beat me to a cave story joke. You were <laughs> you were planning to build up to that the whole time, weren't you? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> Still your joke, Thunder. It's oh. really interesting, though, like, a, a concept of game permadeath. Like, yeah. the entire game dies. Instead <laughs> of just, you have to restart it again. Yeah, yeah, because books don't die. Like, you read a book, you can read it again. <laughs> you don't burn it. Unless it's Fahrenheit 451. Yeah. And there's a pleasant irony to burning a copy of Fahrenheit 451. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be right back on One More Turn. Welcome back to One More Turn, where we're talking Chrono Trigger. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And I'm guest expert friend, Corey. So this week, Jim and Corey, we are playing Squaresoft's Chrono Trigger, uh, released originally in 1995. Chrono Trigger is a, you know, I guess if you want to classify it, the classic RPG, specifically the JRPG. I'm not a big fan of saying the word JRPG. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, which had remakes uh, uh, come out in 99 on the PlayStation and 2008 on the DS. Those included sweet FMV sequences that are all animated. They're, they're very high quality. Done by, uh, what's his name, the guy who did Dragon Ball. Akira Toshiyama. Toriyama. Toriyama. Wait, sir, what? Akira Toyama. Wait, wait, this actually had like animated cutscenes in this. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, they're really good. They're they're pretty quality. You have to get it on PlayStation. I'm not sure the DS one has it. I forget if it did or not. Uh, oh, I don't but remember. yeah, but yeah, it has FMV cutscenes in 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 those versions. Uh, but it's uh, also so Akira. So when they brought this team together to make Chrono Trigger, they called it the Dream Team. Much like us three today are a dream team discussing Chrono Trigger. Dibs Akira Toriyama. 
right here. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. I think that it's called the Dream Team just because of Akira Toriyama. <laughs> 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 uh, they're like, oh, the Dragon Ball and Dragon Quest guy. A Dream Team right now. Uh, and then, but it also included uh, Yoshidori Katatsu, who did like Final Fantasy 6, 7, and 8. He directed all three of those, although he did those later. And I forget, it's it it just all like kind of the best top square employees at the time. Uh, but like I said, it was originally released in 95. About the same time, you got Earthbound came out, Terra Nigma, Fantasy Star 4. Those were kind of the other role-playing games of the time. Each of those kind of its own unique kind of flair on the uh, RPG genre. And, you know, and it's, it's look, it's, it's traditional RPG in almost every way. You know, overhead map uh, with the exception of scripted fights instead of random encounters. So, and, and a long, very long narrative with a bunch of funky fun characters so and a so, time beast combat system yeah at a time eight active time active time battle 2.0 people 2.0 not not that shit 1.0 that final fantasy 4 was dealing in 2.0 uh you can't just so, spend all your time on a menu bar yeah yeah perfect so Corey, which fits thematically <laughs> whatever we have a guest on we ask them to pick the game or come, come up with a couple suggestions and this was i think this was like one of your top two right Corey, in, in the list you sent me so the question i have the question all of us want to know why why chrono trigger why was chrono trigger on this list of games that you would want to discuss um yeah so i added this one in uh stark contrast to secret of mana actually which is Probably, Nostalgia included, probably my favorite game of all time. But it sits there for very different reasons, um, where Secret of Mana for me is a lot of, like, there's a lot of really interesting gameplay and, like, personal experiences I've had with the game. Chrono Trigger I liked almost exclusively, I think, for from a story perspective. I mean, um, the fact that there's no grind, the fact that it's... The, the little bit of active battling and the time-based mechanics in there makes makes it kind of interesting, but to be honest, the battles uh, aren't still aren't like super enticing. And really, it was the story, the characters, the music that made it for me. All the non-gaming elements. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it is. I I've I've played it. You know, I, I've I've referred to it as the game I've started the most. Uh, the most amount of times, but only finished it like once. Like I, I like I, I've started this thing maybe fifteen times. I've owned every iteration, like Super Nintendo, PlayStation, DS, and I will never. Buy, I won't buy the iOS one because I heard it's garbage. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, for but the same reason, I love the characters. But at a certain point, the some of the the gameplay elements kind of wore on me and it kind of broke me. Which is the one you actually uh, finished it on then? Did you DS. finish it the first time you play it? Oh, okay. No, no, no. I finished <laughs> okay. it on the DS. Um, so it took a few attempts. And that's, yeah, the only reason I beat it is because, like, I forget if this was the Yeah, I think I had, I, I would bring my DS to work, and while I was, like, typing and working and taking phone calls at this, like, telemarketer job, I'd, like, have it, my DS off to the side. And, like, this isn't your this current game. job, right? No, this is, this is, <laughs> Okay, like, good. I want to make sure that we're not going to get someone fired on this no, podcast. No, 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 no. This was, like, years ago. <laughs> I'd have it, like, on the side, like, just kind of playing it, and then my boss would come around, and I'd be like, oh, whoops and then like go into a drawer so oh, okay. <laughs> it was your equivalent of it was your equivalent of playing threes in the bathroom yes <laughs> oh man yeah. fun fun fact i'm uh the voice of 24 and threes oh what? I I what? That. oh my yeah, god that's me. <laughs> 24 is the most adorable um my boyfriend's the voice of 48 so mad got my voice acting experience in there i'm all set oh oh way down <laughs> trivia i like it <laughs> 
Oh yeah, I was gonna say this. Um, I had actually discovered this when not not when it came out, but at the time of um, ROMs becoming popular and emulators. Um, and this was one of the first games where I was like, oh, I've heard this is really good. I'm gonna play through it. So it was a few years after it came out, the game still held up pretty well for me. Yeah, this was one that I remember. My, I I. I have a long history of watching my brother playing like playing Super Nintendo role playing games from the classics of Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger all the way to the other end of the spectrum with Seven Saga. That's funny. My brothers so, used to watch me. <laughs> Are you the oldest in your family? Yeah. There it is. There it is. Priority. I'm the youngest. You got game so. Priority. Yeah. So actually, when I finally got around to playing Chrono Trigger. Uh, like myself it's like oh yeah i actually i i'm i'm familiar with how to handle like quest x y and z i'm familiar of how how much pain my arm is going to go through in drinking soup really quickly <laughs> and I'm, i know i'm gonna get into i'm i know i'm gonna get internally frustrated with the son of sun fight yeah but one thing that i actually <laughs> kind of remember is not really liking this game when i was young for one very very silly reason for a young person to not like something because I thought the game was too easy, and in hindsight, I'm like, oh my god, that's such a like, that's such a silly, that's such a silly reason to dislike this game. Because that's entirely not the point of the game. <laughs> no, you know, this isn't. You're not playing Doom on nightmare mode here. This is like, this is something that is that's an experience. Right. It is. It is super easy though. Well, for the most part, it's pretty straightforward. You know, like you said, the, since all the grinding's taking out. Uh, mm -hmm. or most of it anyway yeah it's pretty much you just fight every battle and by the time you get to a boss section you're pretty much ready to go and yeah mm -hmm. not a lot didn't feel like there's a lot of dying in this game or, or at least well, the, well you know other than the really obvious actually, there was a really <laughs> interesting explanation i had i had i had heard about that that one of the single one of the, like the maybe the single most impactful decision made regarding the difficulty of the game is how cheap mana is in the game is when I go back to playing something like like Secret of Mana, for example, and your magic walnuts cost everything you have, <laughs> and, and you can only hold four of them. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Use them strategically. In this, in this, like mana recharge, like, mana recharging items are just are, are just, they're they're thrown at you like all the time, and even like the even the tech the techs that you have are in usually incredibly efficient ways of dispatching entire fights. So like even if you do decide uh, to go back through an area uh, to get additional money or the like, you can just you can cut through them so quickly. And maybe and this is kind of a question for you, Nolan, uh, uh, Corey. Uh, Nolan is fine too. <laughs> Nolan, Nolan. <laughs> uh, maybe that was his choice to make it easy. You know, maybe Square's like they bring this dream team together and they're like, we need something other than Final Fantasy to make a franchise. Let's try this Chrono. Let's bring all these guys together to do this Chrono thing. And let's make it all easy so that people for the first time out can play through the whole thing. That's interesting, because this, this coexisted kind of with Final Fantasies 5 and 6 um, around that time. And I think both of those were rather harder than this game, at least in my experience. Like I, I would say 5, yeah, definitely 5. Yeah, 5 was... I had found myself having to like strategize through a lot of those boss battles. Like, alright, make all of these characters like White Mage class, and then you can get through this in this one specific way. And it was like actually kind of interesting yeah in this case there's really not a lot of strategic decision making that has to go on to to get through the game no you have you have chrono you do maybe uh, a frog and then you have you know someone to heal and then 
you're pretty much good to go in every fight, <laughs> you know? The characters yeah. are mostly interchangeable yeah. in terms yeah, of power yeah. levels. Yeah. I would I would even argue that so like a common a common trait you see now in, in either remakes of games or in sequels of games that might have a few years behind them are that they streamline a lot of the maybe not essential processes of them. I like I've kind of been slacking a bit and playing too much Sims 4 and you know, that in itself it removed while it may remove a lot of the depth it streamlines a lot of the processes that were really annoying such as like building and and character creation. So and I always feel like that's kind of what this is is that they've as as you said before in that in removing random encounters which I've gone on the record saying is one of the most internally infuriating things in olden role playing games up there with just yeah. leveling as a concept. I feel like that's almost what they're doing is that they're this is a role playing game for a wider audience. This is not a game that is strictly for that person who is going to be buying maybe every every copy of Dragon Quest. This is for this is a game for everyone to enjoy. And I think that was a conscious decision at least in in setting how accessible this game is. I definitely think they streamline a lot of the story content, cutting out so many battles. I always my playstyle is always to talk to every NPC sometimes multiple times and the fact that they uh had so much dialogue that was just very clever and imaginative i i think they were kind of geared for that they knew yeah, people were going to do that it almost feels yeah it was constructed it, it was i mean let's yeah be honest it was, it was constructed with the story elements more in mind same th- like you said multiple dialogue options multiple, you know these characters are actually very interesting they're not just all stoic hero types uh maybe chrono uh, kind of is <laughs> I mean, Chrono is because he doesn't talk, uh, uh, but you know everybody else around him. Well, I guess Frog too, but at least Frog is kind of shy. At least he has like his heroic side, but then he has that like shy, like lack of confidence side because he's a frog. Uh, <laughs> that's that's at least interesting, like a nice like yeah. turn on the whole her- heroic. Uh, and he does uh, have uh, that part where his history kind of haunts him too. I, you're right. Frog Frog right. has a bit of depth. Yeah, yeah. Who doesn't like Frog? He appeared in Chrono Cross. That's how much people love him. They wanted to see more frog. Uh, uh, it was way better than that dumb Breath of Fire 2 frog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, getting in, uh, just getting into the story, that there's one thing I want to address at the start with the story uh, before we get into all the little characters. The overarching story, which is basically save the world, essentially. Lavos has come and implanted itself into earth or whatever this planet's called and is sucking the life force out of it and then in 1999 you know prince was right you know you know there was a party uh but the world was destroyed (laughs) and lavas was the reason for it uh i I always found that overarching thing a, a bit i don't know if i like it or not i feel like it's a nice twist or an inverse way of doing the classic save the earth usually it's save the earth and like the Earth is a good thing, uh, in this game the planet's kind of the enemy because of Lavos. You know, yeah. it's kind of like trying to destroy and kill you all the time, and basically creating you. Or, or he even says Lavos uh, uh, that he uh, or it, sorry, it evolved humans a certain way so, so that he would get more energy from them. So like, it's very Matrix esque. Yeah, yeah, and like I don't think I had seen that before in in a lot of role playing games. That like saving the Earth is always this sort of tantamount to like this great heroic thing, but here you're saving it despite the fact that it's always trying to kill you, <laughs> essentially. 
so yeah i'm curious about that what do you think of this like overarching kind of lavos thing i don't know i'm wondering how you feel about this guy this lavos guy is I it mean, interesting good, is it interesting trend, so to... don't say anything no um oh. <laughs> it's it's interesting because it's always there as like a tension point like he's he's implanted in the earth and when you start to realize that all of a sudden you play through the game and you're like shit he's there he's gaining power like i'm in i'm in what do you call it 1500 or whatever and he's just feeding off of everything that's going on right now and that's a really interesting like point of contention throughout the game like you're you're trying to win but also you're just feeding him with energy all the time it's like always yeah. defeatist <laughs> in a weird well, way <laughs> there's there's a strange sort of inevitability about it all um because like so throughout the game you know, you're you're jumping through different different time portals to go to different eras, all of which Lavos is is present for in some way, shape, or form, in order to find some loophole to to prevent Lavos from from ending the world, right? And it's all it's so bleak, it's so bleak and so tragic. Not only because of the death of Chrono, but because literally all the accomplishments that you have in that first in that first part of the game are just completely meaningless it's the inevitability that you can't change time yeah that and it's so that's i don't remember how i or i don't know how i wasn't like traumatized by this <laughs> that like that you know regret shouldn't you you know don't don't regret your mistakes cuz things are inevitable anyway there's this weird there's this weird truth of hard determinism about this entire game that like you know oh you defeated you defeated magus hey great so now he can't summon lavos you're like well actually like frog was just going to beat him anyway <laughs> <laughs> sorry like what does it even matter i don't think in oh, any playthrough i've ever done i've ever actually killed killed magus yeah i try to keep him alive too you know. He's a really good character, and he's kind of cute. <laughs> well, plus, like Especially you're, you're plus when one. you realize his intentions, you're like, oh, he's only trying to raise Lavos so that he could kill Lavos. You know, like it's you feel like it, there's almost like a, a nobility to his evilness. He's fascinating. He's great. He's battling <laughs> right. this inevitability as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty pretty interesting because you know, for a game about time traveling, like Chrono Trigger is surprisingly linear. Uh, I don't know if that was point you guys are wanting to bring oh, up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's just like yeah. you go to very specific times. And I guess this is kind of explained if you go more into Chrono Cross and like kind of grab the canon story where there's a there's an entity directing you and that's mm-hmm. actually Shala within the Time Devourer. Yeah. Who's yeah. like sort of Sh- guiding you towards this optimal path. So really the entirety of Chrono Trigger is just you playing Shala's optimal path for, for defeating him. Which is interesting. Yeah. yeah, you would think. I always. I, okay, that's the question I have. How does time work here? Because at times <laughs> it feels like they can go to the same point in time and alter an event, and then at other times, you know, it almost feels like all these eras are moving forward in time at the same time. Like right. events happen, and then they, it's not like you can go back and change those events. You know, when when you get rid of the reptiles or the reptiles, you can't go back and then save some of them <laughs> or it's, it's interesting because like they try to paint consequentiality in that in that first encounter with when you go back in time and you know marl or marley i don't know how you guys say it um starts to disappear when the queen at the time doesn't get found um 
But then you go through time all the rest of the time, you know, like, much more than stomping on butterflies. Like, you're killing out entire species (laughs) and stuff. And, like, the rest of the time zones never change. Like, everything stays the same. So it's not like you're going back to 1999 and all of a sudden things are, like, radically different. Yeah, all those little bubbles are still there in 2300. Yeah, Yeah, actually, like, the 2300, that specifically is a weird time period because, like, you know, like you know that almost nothing you do there is going to be impactful to your to your grand mission. Like the world's already been destroyed. Like we just need to get out of here and maybe yeah. play with a little robot friend. It's a miserable yeah, like, feeling being there. But yeah, you're yeah. right. Like there's no. I mean, Cross tried to do this alternate timeline thing. They tried to have multiple universes. But you would think like that's. I think that's always the problem I have with any time travel game or time travel story is that. There is a lot of like convenient storytelling or there's a lot of like they don't they don't and it doesn't always seem thought out, you know, and that specifically in this one is true. Like, yeah, exactly. Marley is a immediate consequence for, you know, going back to I think it's antiquity or 1200 AD, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that sounds right. But then everything else in time, like it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like I, I always had a problem with the guy Gaspar at the end of time. Like, does he know everything that happened already? Does he not know? Is he, you know, <laughs> you just want to watch, like, yeah, yeah. he's just hanging out. He seems to know, but then he's kind of like doesn't help you out. Like, he, you right. know, he's, he's the watcher, he can't directly influence the events of how things he, are to be, but he does. He gives you the chrono trigger and he helps say, helps you save chrono after chrono's killed. So, he's not just a watcher, he's a jerk, and he's not even that's not even his job. He was from antiquity and he got pushed there. So, like, look. <laughs> I don't know. I always get a little frustrated with time travel because I feel like it, they do a lot of that where they're just like they conveniently switch uh, the story at points that they want to change it or, or fix problems. You know, not not yeah, like you said, these these whole like consequences don't really matter. <laughs> I think the moral, the early moral point, I, I think, kind of aside, I think like that 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 is an unusual circumstance. I think like that's almost gearing you to the end game. Because I, I almost felt like this game was actually very similar in structure to Final Fantasy VI and uh between like the the world of oh, I forgot what the original world, but but after the Balance world gets and ruined. Ruin, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. in the world of ruin, like the game completely changes course at that time. And you see a similar you see a similar structure, I guess, with Chrono Trigger that initially there is this this real tragic story in which you you as a player just cannot cannot win. You, not only can you not win that last battle, but just throughout all these missions, yeah, you're winning fights, but you're not actually getting anywhere. Winning Whereas, the battle but losing the war. Once that change happens, I guess once you know once Chrono dies. You then have this freedom in which you are no longer, I guess, bound to this hero character. You're no longer then bound to the hero of a thousand faces. And you can then kind of forge your own path. And I think that's where the game starts letting your decisions have meaningful impact across other time periods. Even even if a lot of those stories are just like minor character arcs. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm trying to convince myself of this as I'm saying it. (laughs) You're you're talking about the side quests, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the ones Gasper kind of slightly helpfully points you towards. <laughs> right. He's um. just a watcher. He's just a watcher. He's not, he's yeah, not man, hands up. To help you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's his first day on the job. <laughs> <laughs> right. His first millennia. His first. He's, well, there's no time. It's the end of time. He's not sure what's under NDA or not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. <laughs> I love that. We have. Uh, 
what was it like Balthazar or what's the the guy's name at the Chrono Trigger? Just always just saying, yeah, it's my first day, and then like everyone just laughs. So like, ah, it's the third time we've heard that. <laughs> we'll be right back on one more turn. Welcome back to One More Turn, a classic gaming podcast that's always free to play. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And I'm Corey. It's a world game. You know, it's worldly. It's Tony of Worlds. Let's talk about the... Uh, there's <laughs> only one. There's really only the one. Well, there's one world in its various iterations. but the... in, its, in its Phoenixonian property yes. of being of having all civilization destroyed from it and then I'm going to say there's, there's a most important world in this game. Our most important time zone. And Corey, this maybe Corey had said off, off during the break. This was her favorite: was antiquity, but specifically Zell, Zeal, Zeal, Zeal. <laughs> you just have to say it that way, don't you? <laughs> I do. Twelve thousand, yeah, twelve thousand BC. It's I, in my opinion, it's the fulcrum point because it's when like the Lavos kind of comes out and says like, "No more magic, everybody. Now I'm going to take over these people and evolve them the way I want to." But you, Corey, you really like the design. You were saying off, off break, you like the design. You just really like that that yeah. moment in the game so yeah so one of the things that gets me i mean about chrono trigger in general is just the like all the evocative environments but to me zeal was like by far the most interesting and multi-layered of of all the different places first of all it's designed brilliantly in the fact that you keep having to uh, navigate by land bridge which means that you keep having to go back down to the earthbound world and just remember how miserable it is down there in between these like towering beautiful heights and palaces and like just super shiny stuff and people that are so fashionably dressed and it's like the the stark contrast there is just really enticing i think yeah that was an idea used later in xenogears too uh who uh, same director for both uh yeah so so basically i keep coming back and finding parts of zeal that are more interesting to me. So Zeal is is made up of um I think it's five islands total and two are more or less out of uh out of reach to you initially. So there's the Sun Palace and there's the uh the guarded place where the sunstone is. Those are just kind of like left off to the side. So there's three main three main points you can go to to begin with and Inhasa is the first one and I actually um recently came back and played through the game and as I was as I was playing through it, there was a uh, old Sherlock Holmes episode that I had recently watched um, called "The Man with the Twisted Lip," and it basically this is going to sound really weird, but but bear with me here. Um, <laughs> Sherlock and Watson go into an opium den uh, to retrieve their client's husband, um, and it's this like bleak, depressing, cloudy place full of people who are in like this weird state of half consciousness, you know, like just totally like drugged out. Um, mm. When you enter in Hassa, the interesting thing to me that always kind of unsettled me is that almost everyone in there is sleeping. The very first person you talk to is like, we find truth in the bliss of sleep. You know, everyone just like dozes off mid-talking to you. And one person is kind of like mumbling about like herbal tea and crystals or something like that. And it just, it dawned on me that like, I have this weird mapping of in Hassa to an opium den. Like... The same sort of weird, gritty <laughs> complacency that happens in both places. I, it was so, very like. 
very unsettling of a so place to I, be I'm, in. So I'm going to bring a random example into this, too. You brought in Sherlock <laughs> Holmes. Uh, I am right, actually right. reading East of Eden at the moment, and one of the characters is a guy named Lee, and he's from China. Uh, so this might have been where some of the inspiration for Anhasa comes from. But he describes a place where it's literally just like smart people hang out, you know, the beatniks of, of whatever era. And that's all they do is they're the philosophers. They, they take a midday, they smoke some opium, take a midday nap, wake up, and then philosophize uh, the rest of the day. That and sounds it has very zealish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has that same, but they're basically scholar, scholar types, but they just, you know, sleep, do drugs, scholar, you know, and, 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 scholar, and, and do philosophy and scholarly stuff all day. So it has, that, it's a, it has that same kind of tone. I think that's kind of what they're maybe going for, that this is supposed to be some type of deep thinker place but at the same time yeah. like they're also very lazy essentially and kind of not never, actively participating in life i never tied that to like <laughs> like opium elitism or intellectual <laughs> elitism sort of thing okay so that's in hasa there's uh two other places there's kajar which is like actually everyone there is awake and kind of more like intellectually stimulating it seems like they're very looked down on you like one of them is like oh you have magic but yours is way more primitive than ours is clearly that feels very like ivory tower like intellectually elite to me kind of thing and then the last is like just zeal palace which is just like exploding with ambitious people and like super sinister music starts playing as soon as you enter in there and everyone's just like yeah we're gonna take over the world this is gonna be great like Lavos is like powering everything and we're going to have ultimate power. It, it just it escalates from kind of the the lowlier levels to like these crazy ambitious like super driven people and even it literally escalates cuz you're like climbing up a mountain as this happens. And it's just great to watch this like whole thing kind of play play out in the level design like you can watch it escalate and you know and then you start finding out all this shit about lavos and it's like wow all right yeah <laughs> this needs to stop this needs to stop i need to go to, or either either that or i'm going into the dream chambers myself <laughs> you say the design of it so this sort of escalating design like first you're on these people who are super lazy and just chilled out you know just 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 smoking a couple dubs man hanging out <laughs> enjoying life and then you have this sort of scientific uh, community kind of a, a hubris, you know, like our science is more, you know, we, through our science and technology, we will rule this planet essentially or take it over, What you know, defeat Lavos, who is sort of the surrogate for the planet itself. And then you have the final stage, which is just like, we're just going to work hard. And, you know, I'm trying to get, so how is it laid out specifically? Like, the, what is it about the layout of the physical world that you enjoy? Is that what you're kind of getting at? The physical yeah, it's, it's just very, like, uh, like it's a visceral memory for me whenever I'm, like, thinking through, playing through Zeal, because uh, it goes, you know, Inhasa, Opium Den type, type 1, then you go back to the Earthbound area for a little while to take the land bridge mm -hmm. back up to Kajar, and then uh, you have to go through a few caves to get to Zeal Palace, which is, like, the, the super ambitious one, and it's just, like you kind of have these like temporary breaks in between where it's like oh yeah there's humanity out there elsewhere uh, somewhere we don't really know what they're doing though they don't and it turns out they're bridges. kind of like a <laughs> yeah it turns out they're kind of like yeah. a slave race sort of thing um and in the meantime you're like getting exposed to like these more and more amb ambitious and like crazy people until you know you finally reach queen zeal and it's like oh god like what are you what are you doing to this planet 
Like, you already have some sense of what Lavos is, is doing and what he's used for, and now you just see these people, like, blatantly, like, throwing their power around, and it it, it and just escalates in a very specific way, and it feels yeah. really satisfying to, to watch it unfold. Yeah, and I think it's around that time or that era, eventually, that Lavos makes uh, itself known, right? And it actually comes out, and they try, you know, when they pull the Mammon machine out, and they start, right. we're going to suck all his energy away. And, and you have that just first sort of, battle with him. Yeah, yeah, and he just kind of flicks him off like a flea, basically. <laughs> uh, even even Magus later on he does tries to do that fight, and he just gets killed immediately or knocked knocked out. And I think that it is kind of like this turning point. Yeah, it's the Sycharis thing. Like they're all, you know, we're we are the pinnacle of society, or they believe themselves to be, and they are insignificant in the face of this thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and you eventually lose Chrono to their hubris too. So it's yeah, like, it's a really yeah. like. And for all their, you know, sins or for all their hubris, yeah, Chrono's the one that pays the price for it. He's the one that dies. He's the one that sacrifices himself very, to save, very Jesus. save all that yeah. awfulness. <laughs> Which actually know? goes back to our Matrix comparison initially. <laughs> and and it kind of got me to a funny funny way of thinking of, of Chrono. Specifically, originally how it was written, that Chrono was supposed to die for good. I don't know if, you, if you're aware of that, Corey, or not. Like, no. He was, there, there was no resurrection. There was supposed to be... Him dying, and then you go on in the game as the other five, and maybe Magus, and defeat Lavos. Oh my God, that yeah, would that would have broken but, kid me. And well, <laughs> there's a second component to that that would have destroyed you. Is that they need Chrono anyway? I think they need him to get to Lavos. I forget the exact reason why, uh, but they need him to help Mas them. Masamune probably point. related. Uh, so they would. So the story was originally going to be those five or six go back, grab Chrono before he died, and bring him to their time, and have them help and kill Lavos, and then return him to the time they took him from, knowing full well that eventually he's going to get it uh, in the end, which sort of creates this <laughs> layer of just awful tragedy. Uh, wow. And they took that away, obviously, because they were just like, this might be the most depressing yeah. story if we do this. This this goes in contrast to the easy game that we're presenting to people. <laughs> you know? Well, I'm unfamiliar even like at specific, specifically at that time. How many games had sad endings? This may be uh, for a lot of people... Uh, in the SNES era, and probably even onward, although again, Final Fantasy VII might also use as a cue to this as having a tragic, com- like a very tragic component in a video game. I'd never, I'd not seen that before. It's here we have not only just one, not just a playable character, but this is the main character. This is the yeah. hero. But just getting this is our this introduction is to this George R. R. Martin here. This is you. You are the silent. You know the reason they have a silent protagonist is so that you fill in the gaps of what he's saying. And right, he's the player. That sir, is you. Yeah. You know that was you, the yeah, player. You, know? you died. <laughs> yeah. How does yeah. how does the team even go on? You're dead. <laughs> and that's that's pretty much how it felt. Like it was this like pretty profound feeling of loss. You know, like aimlessness. I think all of the characters articulate it pretty well. Well, maybe not Isla, but uh, yeah. Like if you have Marl in your party, which you know by any means of wanting to see the story progress you probably do like you realize just like how lost and awful you feel like even to the point where when you're losing a character in a role-playing game anytime you have lost you have lost battles previously you just get a game well you you don't get the game you actually get an ending which i think also is kind of a neat touch for for chrono trigger but 
there's some, but there's something that's so different about it is that not only have you lost, you've lost the game, but in an entirely different way. It's like in this almost irreversible way, especially since in again, the past previously, your actions and trying to change the future have been pushed back at you time and time again. So now when you have the, the hero of the day being killed in front of you, there is this, this eternal sense of dread about it. That's it. That's it. That's, that's all there is to it. How, how can you go on as much as you may want to fix it via this time machine? All of the past records in, in doing similar things haven't turned out well for anyone. So what is a player to do? I don't know. Go to that opium den. Wait for the inevitable. I do find it interesting, though, that they, to the point that they wanted to make the happy ending so prevalent with Chrono that even if you beat the game without without him, some of the endings are like he comes back and they go and like the ending is like we go they go and do the clone thing anyway even though you beat Lavos yeah and like Retcon, get him back Retcon. yeah yeah like there is they are they were pretty firm and like we're gonna even if you beat it without him we're keeping him alive we're making this happy <laughs> someone eventually happy. someone eventually beat that mimicking game at the carnival <laughs> yeah uh, just yeah. some random stranger actually just like dragged this doll up to the tree it's like I. I thought that would be a good idea. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to give this to my kid, but they didn't like it. <laughs> this thing just looks really creepy and lifelike. Why are they giving out prizes that he reached the uncanny valley? <laughs> this thing just looks soulless. Like this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Creepy Crodo doll. Ugh. Okay. Uh. <laughs> I'm curious. Is there anything else you guys wanted to, just offhand, anything else you guys want to discuss for this thing? I just want to talk about how much I want Enertrons to exist in real life. So, the whole concept okay. is you go into them, you get a full night's sleep, but you come out and you're still hungry. That's fine, whatever. If I could get a full night's sleep in, like, t- two seconds, like, I'd be all for that. What, is that in, that's in the future, right? It's 2300, yeah. right? Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, my only worry there is, I, I've had friends that have done polyphasic sleep before, so that they only need about two hours of sleep in the day, and it just gets really boring. I don't know. Still There's so much up. I want to do. It just like it. It always seems like sleep. Why? Why do you have to happen? Why can't I just work on games all night? Yeah, inevitability. You know, inevitability. So, <laughs> Corey. So we've we've discussed it all. We've talked about Lavos. We're talking about how Crodo should have died. Uh, <laughs> what? I don't remember that discussion. <laughs> oh wait, I'm sorry. That was just me. Uh, uh, Zay, uh, final thoughts. I mean, let's let's go around the horn here. Uh, maybe I'll Jim if you want to start. I, I took some notes here about this game, and the very first thing that I noticed when I went back and play, to playing this game is, you begin the game, and you're you're running through a carnival, um, with a friend that you've just made, and it is this it's this beautiful moment where everyone is celebrating. Eventually, as you find out, it's just, they're celebrating the fall of Magus, which I think is kind of kind of a strange that's such a strange occurrence. Uh, you know, beating up beat me up Gato. Stealing someone's lunch and being sentenced to death for it eventually, but in a way, yeah, as one does, yeah. That I remember that I think that this is my single favorite game that begins with the main character at a beautiful festival, a beautiful carnival, before everything kind of falls apart. It is therefore it goes number one, Chrono Trigger, number two through number. 
499 to be determined number 500 bioshock infinite so um <laughs> wait their favorite car hold on i just want to make sure i get that ranking right when i call okay. uh, uh games radar um are you <laughs> are you uh so you're saying these are your favorite carnival scenes or your favorite games with carnival scenes what i'm saying favorite here games is that start with carnival scenes. okay i'm all saying right. basically bioshock infinite is a bad cover song of chrono trigger okay all right got it So I am fascinated by this game in so many ways, being as it was one of the one of my my most talked about parts of this of this episode. Again, I am obsessed with the tragedy of this game because it was just it's so unlike not only like games of the time period. There's not much like it even now for something that that is that is on such a massive scale to really toy with your emotions as a player, yet at the same time, really provide for this this really accessible experience. I feel like it's a weird trap in a way. It's like, we're going to make this really enjoyable. We're going to make this easy to jump into, easy to get excited about. And now that we've got you here, we're going we're gonna to load you through this clockwork orange-esque treatment. <laughs> well, I, I feel similar. Uh, I... There's a lot of bleak in this game. I mean, look, you are given the incredible fighting ability. You're given magic. You're given time travel. You're given basically all the powers of the universe that we can comprehend. And it still is barely enough as your characters to to, to win. And on top of that, I think the, the, the most bleak part of it, uh, in my opinion, there is an end of time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, even though you've done all this thing to help your planet and save save the world, there is an end of time that still exists, which basically means, uh, hey, guess what? Eventually, none of this is gonna matter. <laughs> you know, like, right. like it's it's gonna be futile because there's there's a there's a there's still an endpoint to all of this, people. It's this is all just a temporary <laughs> relief. Well, at least you uh, can get there. Yeah, well, at exactly. least you could get there. Yeah, yeah. While ultimately the game generally has like a very positive and very happy ending, at least in, I believe in most of the endings, in a way I sort of relate this game to like a Where the Red Fern Grows in a here is going to be a title that I played with as I was younger that was the first in its media to make me ball. Just like be <laughs> like full, full tears sitting on the floor, controller in hand. Which, interestingly, wasn't because of the death of Chrono. It's because I messed up saving Luca's mom. Oh. That is some powerful stuff for a 12-year-old. Yeah, man, that side quest. I forgot. Wow. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. How's Corey supposed to follow that with her final analysis? (laughs) Man, speaking of games with mom in it, may I plug... No, I'm just kidding. Um... Yeah, so what's interesting about the ending, I think, is that um, even as you guys are saying, like, the canon ending is supposed to be happy, if you go through and play Chrono Cross, which I I think it's actually a worthwhile playthrough as well, you realize that, like, at the end of that Lavos battle, like, Shala gets sacrificed. Like, she gets sucked up into the end of time with Lavos, or what he becomes, which is the Time Devourer, and, like, she's just trapped in this eternal prison of misery and hate and all these negative feelings that are trapped within Lavos, you start to realize, like, that it's not really a happy ending. It's... And actually, Shala is kind of one of the most tragic and interesting characters of the game, and I've 
gone through the game with a newfound respect for her. Well, what's crazy too in that is that you know, Chrono Cross takes place in about 1000 AD, the same time Chrono is supposed to be alive, and there's no evidence of Chrono or, or like that society. So the the idea is that they killed Lavos in 12,000 BC or before 1000, and may have erased their own existence in the process. Yeah, they have the little is, bit of shadow cells, but that's yeah, yeah, that's getting which is into a, it crazy thing to think about <laughs> uh, that you you win but you er eradicate your own existence in the process of doing that <laughs> it's like yeah it's super bleak yeah it's harsh i mean the well, ending in chrono trigger is like you know you have a festival all your friends from all over time are there and then it's like well actually what you did kind of erased all of you it made a happier ending for other people it's yeah, like yeah i think <laughs> I know a lot of people are pretty divided on this. I actually think Chrono Cross is a pretty good follow-up to... I, I like what they did with the story. And I really wish that Square would just take this IP and go further with it. Oh, I, yeah. I love the universe and I want to know more about it. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on one more turn, Corey. Uh, do you have anything coming up or anything you can you want to promote? Or where can people find you? Um, so I'm on... Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm DJ Corey Nolan. Disclaimer, not a DJ. Just have the name. There's a CoreyNolan.com is my site slash blog where all my games are posted. And again, my, my podcasts are IndieGameHouse.com and Zublax. That's Z-U-B-L-A-X.com. Zublax, people, people want to know what Zublax is. That's Corey's. That's your new name for video games? <laughs> it's um, It's kind of a classification of video games where... Games like Chrono Trigger are actually specifically excluded. It's it's more about games where there's a strong strategy uh, or tactical component. So a lot of board games are included with there too. Perfect. Well, thank you again for coming on. And uh... yes, thank you for thank you for helping us figure out that you have to aim for the left bit and not the main body. <laughs> oh, I know. So, oh man. And then he comes back. It's Lavos. Thank you for listening. One More Turn is produced, created, and hosted by Jim Staholsky and Kevin King. If you have any comments, questions about today's game, Chrono Trigger, or new game pluses, new games plus, new pluses games. Anyway, news you can email game plus. News game. Extra, yeah. extra. <laughs> you can email us at one more turn podcast at gmail.com. Uh, do us a favor, rate us on iTunes and other popular podcaster sites. If you want to have any questions or comments directly for us on Twitter, my my Twitter handle is at Yonder Hillside. Jim is at Fuzziest Kitty. And Corey is at at DJ Corey Nolan. IED is courtesy of Pixel Hate off his album Men the Revolution. You can find more of his music at pixelh8.co.uk. Blue Paint is courtesy of Breakbeat Heartbeat and the Waveform Generators off his album 2206. You can find more of his music at soundcloud.com slash breakbeat heartbeat. Kevin, Kevin, what are we going to do next week? Well, next week, Jim, is show and tell. So get your game racks ready. Make them happy. I, uh, this, is, this is a lot of depression I have to deal with this week. Okay, I'm back. Sorry. All right, Okay. go ahead. But you're still hungry.